Welcome to episode number 17 of Reflections from WT, the heart and soul of Texas Panhandle. I am Randy Ray, and I'm here today with my boss and the 11th president of West Texas A&M University, Dr. Walter Windler. How are you feeling today? I'm doing just fine. I'm doing just fine. It's a little chilly outside, but I'm doing just fine. Yeah, it's a brand new year. Yeah, I'm excited about it. One thing that before we start talking about the new year, I wanted to briefly talk about is a few weeks ago, you showed up to a city commissioner meeting in in the city of Canyon, and that's one of the hats I wear as a city commissioner. And I wanted to talk uh, just a little bit about that meeting and uh, talk about the relationship between the city of Canyon, Texas and WT. Uh, one thing that I mentioned during the meeting, and, and I believe that I, I, I commended you and uh, Mayor Henders for the great relationship that the city of Canyon and WT has. T- talk about that a little bit. Okay, I will. Um, yeah, and first of all, we, we I came to talk a little bit about the economic impact that West Texas A&M University has on Randall and Potter counties specifically, and then more generally on the top 26 counties of Texas, and we'll get to that in just a second. But I think your uh, um, identification of a positive and strong working relationship between uh, Mayor Henders and the university uh, and I, I'm going to try not to peg it to individuals, but I'll say the Canyon community and the WT community, I, I think it is generally very strong. And I think that uh, that should never be taken for granted because it's not always the case. Uh, it, it hasn't always been the case. I mentioned to you that day when I went to school here as an undergrad back in the 80s, it was really two separate things. Right. Two separate things. And it's so much better now. Well, and, you know, the development that's occurring uh, in in uh, Canyon uh, restaurants and, uh, you know, the square is being developed and it, just things are happening. And I think that's good. It's good for the city. It's also very good for the students because the students uh, enjoy the opportunity when they're away from home, especially. But even if they're local commuter students, enjoy the opportunity to uh, get into town a little bit on, with friends and have yeah. dinner or lunch or something. You know, it's a, it's just a, it extends the campus, and I think the campus extends the community. Um, I do, too. I, I wonder what the city of Canyon would be like without WT. It would I've, be a whole lot different. I've, somebody told me it would look like Tulia, yeah. uh, which is not a bad thing. I like Tulia, but it's not a university town. Yeah, uh, and, I agree and with you. It's just, uh, I don't know, I, I think it's a... I think we have a, do have a very fine working relationship, and I think it's going to lead to uh, prosperity for both. And Randy, the night or two nights after that, a few maybe it was the next day, I went to the Canyon ISD meeting. And what we've got here is, to, in my way of thinking, is a three-legged stool. Um, the Canyon ISD is a very, very good school system. Um, I mean, just look at the growth in Canyon ISD. Um, Canyon is a vibrant, robust kind of panhandle community, and our university is striving to be a regional university that serves uh, serves its region well. And I think all of these things tied together are a recipe for success for all three. So we are in, in, in a new year, and we're in a new decade. Let's talk about what the future of WT looks like for in the coming year, in the coming decade. Okay. Uh, you know, we have our long-range plan, which is, you know, it's full of potholes. It's a, it's an idea. It's, it's a look into the future, and we're going to find out that some of the things we identified in there are worthwhile, and other things in there we need to just shed or not pay too much attention. I've done these before. Um, I did the one. I, I led the planning effort at Texas A&M in 1998 and 99 
for what was called Vision 2020 there, they still use the plan. It's going to, in a sense, it it, uh, it exhausts itself next year. But they don't use every part of it. I mean, they're just, you try to predict the future. Who can know the who future? Can, who can do that? Who can do that? No one. So you do the best you can with it, and it spawns ideas. And, uh, you know, I think one of the... One of my key goals uh, in the immediate future is to come to grips with the proper relationship, size-wise and in other dimensions, of the number of on-campus residential students and the number of online students. Online education right now uh, at uh, WT is 25% of our students are online. Wow, so, I didn't uh, realize uh, that. 2,500 are online. Well, uh, well, you can talk with Dean, Dean um, uh, Nelson here, and a good he's got a very powerful online program, the RN to BS ed, ed program, and it's good. Um, and he'll talk to you about that, I know, and the business, there's some business programs and others, and we're going to increase that. I would personally like to see the relationship between on-campus and online students basically be one for one. In other words, half of our... But while we strive towards that goal, I would like to see uh, the quality of the freshman class, the on-campus students that come here to study, uh, go up. And we're seeing that last three years. The quality, as measured by standard quality indicators, and these are imperfect to be sure, but things like class rank, GPA, test scores, and they are creeping up ever so slightly, but they're not creeping down. And a lot of regional institutions right now are, are uh, dropping standards to try to attract students because the pressure for enrollment is so great that big universities are they're, 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 uh, stifling the growth of the regional institutions. So I, I want to address that in the coming years. Uh, it's a, it'll be a long process, but I would like to get to that and in so doing, would like to not reduce the on-campus population, but not grow it much. I want to. I want the primary growth to be an online, and I want to continue to increase the quality of the on-campus experience. And while I'm talking, I'll keep talking. Um, you're used to that. Uh, but the um, you know, I go out and I recommend students don't borrow money for the first two years of college. I recommend that because students are being choked with debt. And it's interesting that I've been doing that for three years, but the new freshman enrollment goes up, and I can't, again, predict the future, but I'm going to say watch our freshman enrollment next year. I'm just going to say that as uh, like a piece of bait out there, but watch our freshman enrollment next year while I'm out telling people because to go to— Because you've been out on tour. And, well, yes, and I've tried to be honest with people and say, look, don't overborrow. You know, never borrow more than 60% of the anticipated— starting salary. Um, so if you go through our BS, uh, BS, our RN program, BSN program, um, I think the average starting salaries, and Dirk would know more, uh, but I think are probably close to, I don't know, between fifty and $60,000, something like that. Let's say they're fifty. So I'm saying don't borrow more than $30,000 to become an RN. Um, don't borrow more than if you're going to be a school teacher in Borger, don't and the average, let's say you're a fourth grade teacher and the starting salary is around $40,000, don't borrow more than $24,000. If you double that, for example, and I know many school teachers that have borrowed sixty dollars or $70,000, and they lead a life that's directed by repaying that debt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
There are hundreds. It's an an epidemic. Yeah, and there are hundreds of thousands of people who receive their Social Security check, and the first thing they do is pay for their college loan. They're getting a Social Security check and pay. pay. Something's wrong with that. And I want to let people know that we're going to try to do things different, and we have to be careful. You know, we're, we're increasing fees, increasing costs, and if the quality of what we offer is not going up with those increased costs and fees, just read a study on the return on investment of a university education, and there's some surprising schools in that list. But that's going to be my focus, I would say, in the coming years is this idea of a relationship between cost and uh, quality. Well, we've talked a little bit about uh, the new year. We've talked about the new freshman class coming in. Let's talk about the campus for a minute. We have recently tore down Stafford Hall. Right. And uh, what do you think the campus is going to look like over the next few years? Well, the campus continues to improve, I think, in its um, service to students, and it's got a good uh, pedestrian uh, feel to it. I think, you know, it's a nice campus to walk. Some of the walks are getting a little long, like over to Ag Sciences and so on, but you can still walk this campus. and I, I think it's very pleasant. I, I think the football um, tailgating and so on, and I'm not talking about wild parties or anything, but just the presence of that activity on campus has been very positive uh, for the campus. So I just want to see us continue to improve. I want to clean up some of our old structures. Old Ed building is a high priority. PPHM is a high priority. These are important campus landmarks. So where uh, uh, Stafford was, is that going to be parking now, you think? Yeah, at least for the short term, uh, maybe I'll say midterm, it's going to be parking. Yeah. Uh, is what we 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 hope to make put a, a hotel. lot of students happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's close. It's 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 fairly close in uh, easy access to to uh, a number of the uh, places on campus where students go, JBK and so on and so forth. This building, uh, they'll be, it'll be. I think it'll help. What excite excites you the most about the coming year? 2020. 2020. I'm excited about uh, the uh, uh, continued progress that we're making in, in um, academic quality, I think. Uh, and, and we have to stay vigilant. Um, and I, I think we're sticking to it, and I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm also excited about the fact that this will be our 30th year in 2020. We'll celebrate our 30th year as part of the Texas A&M University system, which I am. Uh, I was talking with Representative uh, John Smithy about this, and he thinks it's a very important accomplishment. And um, he, you know, he 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 said this is you know has been important for WT. WT has yeah, grown. As I said, I wonder what Canyon would be like without WT. I wonder what WT would be like without the A&M system. No. Well, it, it, it's, they, I think it's helpful, but we, we have to maintain our identity. You know, I'm, I've known Russell Long for 20 years, and he was always concerned, and I think appropriately, that we might not sacrifice our WT identity as we join the system. And I try to be ever mindful of that, but I also see positive benefits from being in the system. I mean, we have relationships with various system uh, initiatives uh, that are very helpful to, to WT and to the panhandle. And I don't think we're, uh, in a sense, losing our identity or selling our soul to get those to work. And I want to be mindful yeah, about we that. We are still WT. We are WT. Yeah. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to someone that uh, has an interesting background in the NFL and uh, is a leader on campus today. We'll be back in about 60 seconds. 
West Texas A&M University is a student body that learns by doing and is always seeking opportunity. Talented and accomplished faculty that teach both in and out of the classroom. Programs that provide timeless information and meet the challenges of today's world. Facilities rich in technology as well as WT history. It's our alumni and donors that make the big difference and set us apart from other universities. With your support, WT will continue to award scholarships to deserving students and strengthen our programs, which means a better campus, more in-depth education, and a lasting cultural and economic impact on our region. Now is the time to strengthen connections, support students, and open doors for tomorrow's leaders. Share your experience, share your heritage, share your pride. Welcome back to Reflections from WT, the heart and soul of the Texas Panhandle. For this segment of the podcast, uh, we have a special guest. Uh, we're going to be talking to Dr. Dirk Nelson. He is the Dean of the College of Nursing and Health Sciences here at WT. Uh, Dr. Nelson, welcome. Absolutely. I appreciate yeah. being here. Well, appreciate I, we invitation. appreciate you being here. Sure. Um, I, I alluded to the fact before we, we went on break. Uh, that you spent a little time in the NFL. Tell us about that. I think the key word in that comment or that phrase was little, <laughs> uh, but that, that is correct. Uh, I was a free agent uh, with the Seattle Seahawks back in 1986. Uh, I was a punter, played in all of two preseason games uh, before I was ignominiously released uh, following a game against the Detroit Lions. Well, so you know, the Seahawks, have, they have a connection with WT. Mm-hmm. One of my former students, Charlie Martin, mm-hmm. uh, played for the Seahawks for a little mm-hmm. bit. So. Yeah. Uh, what was yeah. that like? So my, my six-week tenure there in Seattle, I loved it. Uh, you did love the, it. At the yeah. time, I was hoping it was going to turn in from six weeks maybe to a six-year career. Uh, enjoyed Seattle, but uh, had I not been waived uh, back in August of 1986, I never would have met my wife, and we would never have had our two children. So yeah, it worked out great. <laughs> well, how did you transition to academics from that? Oh, no, that's a great question. Actually, I had already received my master's degree uh, by the time I was in the training camp of the Seahawks. I attended Montana State University for my baccalaureate degree, played football there, uh, and had a marvelous time, enjoyed my experiences there. Uh, that's where I studied exercise science. Uh, I wanted to go to graduate school. And initially, when I was in graduate school, I wanted to go into a clinical setting, uh, largely working uh, in cardiac rehabilitation, uh, patients that have had heart attacks and strokes and rehabilitating them from a physiologic perspective. But a gentleman named Tom Thomas, who was my teaching hero, he was at the University of Kansas, where I went to graduate school. He came in one morning and had an announcement for a teaching position at a small college in Nebraska. And I had an epiphany over about the 30 seconds that he read that teaching announcement. And I said, I want to be an academic. So that's how I got into higher education. (laughs) When did you come to WT? Uh, 2010. So I've been here 10 years now. And a great group of students, a magnificent group of faculty and staff, and I love it. Well, tell me about the College of Nursing and Health Sciences. And um, they've got some really great things happening right now. Big move coming up. Yeah, absolutely. I I couldn't be more proud of the things that are going on in the college. Uh, uh, I'm I'm a data-driven person. Uh, Over the last 10 years, our enrollment has gone up uh, 40%. Uh, in 2019 versus 2011, the number of graduates from our college has gone up 90%. Uh, when you look at that same time frame, the cost to the university to educate any one of our graduates has gone down 36%. 
So when you look at that enrollment growth, you look at that graduation growth, obviously we're attracting kiddos, we're keeping kiddos, we're graduating kiddos, and we're doing it uh, much more cost effectively. So I could not be more proud of that. Uh, we do have an online presence. Uh, our college has, over the last uh, year, received over 30 national recognitions uh, for all of our programs, largely due to cost efficacy and quality. Uh, so I'm very, very proud of those. Yeah. Tell me about the big move coming up. Yeah, we have um, uh, probably by fall 2021, uh, the baccalaureate program in nursing uh, will be moving to the second floor of the Amarillo Center. There's uh, 25,000 square feet of space in that facility. Uh, that particular program has grown. Uh, the university, thanks to the leadership of Dr. Windler, I think has committed additional faculty members to that program, and that's how we can grow. And so if we're going to grow that program, we need additional space. And so I think that 25,000 square feet of space is going to turn into a marvelous uh, clinical experience for the students once they're admitted into the baccalaureate program in nursing. So their final two years will be there. There'll be some tremendous symbiosis because uh, we work closely with the hospitals, obviously, in clinical rotations. So just from a logistics standpoint, that's going to make a lot of sense. Moreover, the college has um, our Department of Communication Disorders and the WT Speech Hearing Clinic is already up and running there. Uh, and they serve uh, children, the speech hearing clinic does. They serve children, they serve adults. And we also have the Panhandle Area Health Education Center in that particular facility. So you combine all those entities which some, with some other initiatives we're working on right now. One is referred to as the Healthy Texas Panhandle, which yeah. is something that's near and dear to my heart. <laughs> um, we have expertise not only from the student's perspective, but from the faculty perspective in our college. We want to work closely with the Paul Engler College of Agriculture and Natural Sciences to help bring to fruition what's referred to as the Institute for Advancing Agriculture and Health. Uh, we have strengths at this university in those two areas, and, uh, and working with county extension agents through the uh, A&M AgriLife Extension Service, I want to provide preventive services to the medically underserved throughout the entire Texas Panhandle. Wow. Let me ask you both about the Amarillo Center. Um, Dr. Windler, when, when did we open that? It's been a couple of years now? Just just open? over, yeah, just over a year, really. A year and a half. It's a beautiful facility, and I would encourage everyone to, if you're downtown, to go by and just take a look at it. it, it, it I mean, it, what, what all's housed down there now? Well, mostly Derek's programs. Uh, Dean Nelson is, you know, he's got a good uh, uh, slate of programs down there. But I, I just want to emphasize what Dean Nelson is talking about here, and that is this idea that this will be a hub to help uh, address uh, health care in rural Texas. You know, I've just visited uh, 65 schools in the South Plains, um, did number 65 a uh, day before yesterday. <clears throat> and uh, in two places, uh, Hamill and uh, Crosbyton, hospitals have either closed or closing. And what's going to happen uh, there? Uh, is that those those citizens of those smaller communities are going to be starved for health care. And, and Dirk knows much better than I, and I, I wish he'd say a word about it, What what how that's going to be addressed through nurse practitioners that 16 walked the stage, I think it was 16, on, uh, on Saturday. I shook hands with every one of them, and I asked every one of them, are you going to stay in the panhandle? And all but three said yes. And I said, that is a bingo. And that is, that is uh, Dr. Nelson's uh, leadership of that nursing school. And, and, uh, and along with helpers like Kathy Ship. Kathy uh, came with me on a couple of these visits. She is the, she is the twice-appointed president of the Texas Board of Nursing Examiners, first appointed by Perry and now appointed by uh, Governor um, 
Abbott, and uh, she she has a sense of the power of all this. That came from Dean Nelson. That didn't come from anywhere else. And her passion for nursing. I mean, she has a great passion for it. She's a WT graduate, but she has a heart for the panhandle and these, uh, I think, these smaller communities that are going to be served by uh, nurse practitioners. But again, I'm just a layman. Dean Nelson knows the, the real story on all of this. Let's talk a little bit about accreditation. Accreditation is a big thing in, in universities. Would you explain kind of what that means and, and, and what accreditation y- your programs have? Yes, yeah, some disciplines have to have accreditation. Uh, they're, they're, they have discipline-specific accreditations, and in order for a person to become a licensed, you fill in the blank, they have to have graduated from a program that's accredited by some national organization. And in the College of Nursing Health Sciences, we have two separate national accreditations. One is the American Speech Language Hearing Association, or ASHA. Uh, they supervise our program in communication disorders, specifically the graduate program where students get a master's in SLP and become licensed speech language pathologists. And then also we are accredited through the Commission on Collegiate Nursing Education, or CCNE, and then they review all of our uh, programs, not only the baccalaureate, but the master's programs in nursing as well. And in fact, we just had a CCNE visit last spring and found out the results in fall and so we have 10 years worth of accreditation. That's the maximum length of time uh, they can uh, make that recommendation, and we receive that this fall. So I'm very proud of what's going on in all of our departments. Dirk, I know you're not prone ever to uh, hyperbole, but how was the, how was the, what were the findings of that accrediting report? Did, did you think that uh, we really kind of rang the bell? I know we did, and I'm smiling about mm-hmm. it, but the fact of the matter is, what, just say mm-hmm. a word about what the accrediting group said. No, I, th- I think one of the most uh, glaring things they noticed were the licensing rates for our NCLEX uh, results. So when a student passes, or rather when a student graduates from a nursing program, he or she is required to take an, a licensing exam. It's referred to as the NCLEX. Um, we are mandated to have at least 80% of our graduates pass the NCLEX first time they take it. Uh, for the last eight years, we have averaged over 95% of our graduates from West Texas A&M have passed that licensing exam the first time that they took it. Um, the speech-language pathology students take what's referred to as the praxis. They have virtually 100% passing rate on the praxis. And again, because uh, this man is uh, prone to natural humility, uh, the fact of the matter is it places us very in very strong uh, competition with many, many nursing schools that charge a lot more money and uh, don't achieve the kind of results, number one. And number two, when he came, our nurse, the, this, the nursing program was on the edge, on the precipice of just falling apart. Isn't that right, Dean? Uh, the, the NCLEX rates were low, and we had some stern, some hard, difficult discussions with faculty uh, and with students. Uh, the faculty made some recommendations with regard to admissions criteria in terms of progressing through the program, in terms of exit criteria, and I supported those recommendations. They are the experts in the field. They are the professionals, and I think collectively we've been able to put together a program uh, that educates nursing students magnificently. I'm very proud of what's been going on in that department. Well, you should be, and it's it's such a big part of West Texas A&M University. Thank you for all you do over there, and we, we, we are all proud of the nursing program and the, and, and the College of uh, Nursing and Health Sciences. We're about out of time. Let me, I'm going to throw you guys a curveball. You ready? I'm ready. You're ready. Uh, <laughs> we'll see if you're ready. Let's say that uh, you were a superhero. What would your superpower be? 
I don't know the names of the superheroes, but the one that's flexible that can stretch. Who's that? Mister Fantastic. I would be Mister Fantastic. <laughs> uh, I think Why? is a, just because you want to remain flexible. That's, I want to remain right. flexible. There you that's go. exactly right. Yeah. Uh, there are lots and twists and turns and curves and changes and ups and downs when it comes to university life, and being able to accommodate all those twists and turns yep. and changes and ups and downs comes in handy. That's a good answer. <laughs> And by the way, if I might add to that, one of the uh, one of the attributes, and I don't know anything about these, but I know because I know understand this sort of superhero thing, that uh, Mister Flexible never loses his roots. You know, from where he's coming and from where he's yeah. going, and that's uh, that's that too. Good answer. What's yeah. your answer? You know, I'd almost like to say the same thing. I I I don't want to be Superman. I mean, that's not happening. I'm an old guy that can hardly <laughs> hardly lift forty pounds anymore. What I don't know. Randy, you stumped me. You stumped me. What Finally. a way to start. Normally, the, I don't. What a, what what a way to start the year. But you stumped me. I'm not sure what I'd want to do. But I, I listen. I'd be glad to be the assistant for Dean Nelson <laughs> while he was the <laughs> Mister Flexible or whatever. He was you know, I think if you were to ask me, I think I'd want to be the Flash. You know, the guy that's really fast. Because there's been several uh, faculty meetings that I'd like to speed out of. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so. We well, could maybe yeah, be Mister Invisible and kind of leave. That, yeah, yeah Mister Invisible or. What about flying? It'd be fun to fly, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. It would. Yeah. That would be. Well, that's going to about wrap it up for episode number 17 of Reflections from WT, the heart and soul of the Texas Panhandle. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be looking forward to talking to you again next time. <laughs>